0: Hey, Bible Y'all. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Thursday, January 25th. Happy National Opposite Day, when we're all supposed to say the opposite of what we really mean, to lie about everything, basically, like Congress and TV, which makes me skeptical of all the other holidays today, like Fluoride Day, which talks up the benefits of putting deadly poison in our water and toothpaste. And if you really want to chase that rabbit, you can find just as many articles calling sodium fluoride a miracle of dental science with no evidence whatsoever to the contrary, as you can detailing the horrifying effects of exposure to this byproduct of fertilizer manufacturing that ain't found in nature and was considered toxic waste until they started feeding it to us in 1950. So which of them two things is true? Don't know, but that's how it is with the B system. It's two faced. Did Saddam Hussein stash all his WMDs in Syria or did he never even have any in the first place? Is Zuckerberg an evil lizard man or just a nerd with no social skills? Did the Wu flu really kill a hundred billion people or was the hospitals paid to falsely report like car accidents and stuff to scare us all into getting the clot shot? Who knows, maybe both or neither. If the news says something totally ridiculous and unbelievable today, and then tomorrow says the exact opposite, I wouldn't believe that either. But I have a theory, cause of course I do. Satan and his beast system acolytes hate us, mostly just cause God don't. So to hurt God, they wanna drag as many of us to hell with them as they can. But they can't make you go. They gotta talk you into choosing it. So for the sake of informed consent, they gotta at least expose you to both sides of the argument or it ain't really a choice. And that means our free will, the very weakness that puts us at risk, is also the very strength that protects us. Whoa. Our reading for today is Genesis 50 verse 1 through Exodus 2.10, Matthew 16:13 through 17:9, Psalm 21, 1 through 13, and Proverbs 5, 1 through 6. So if y'all are ready, and I know I just said that the other day, but it blows my mind just that much. And you know it's got to be driving Satan nuts, too. Does God have a sense of humor or what? But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 24th in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 48.1-49.33. And Jacob is old and he's about to die. And he calls all his kids in to bless him and prophesy over him. And first he calls Joseph to bless his sons Manasseh and Ephraim. He says, And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And this is weird. Jacob gave the birthright to Joseph by adopting Ephraim and Manasseh to the rank of his firstborn sons, thus giving a double portion to Joseph. Thus, they replaced Reuben and Simeon, Jacob's first two sons, born to Leah. Why? I'm not 100% sure. But it shows up over and over throughout the Old Testament, and all the way to Revelation for that matter. The recognition of Joseph's sons would have an effect on the apportioning of the promised land later on in the book of Joshua. And this allows for a total of 13 tribes to choose from, and permits various listings to omit one or the other, for various reasons, of the tribes, and still have a list of 12, And 12 is an important number in Hebrew, as representing completion and authority. And several times in Scripture, you'll see one tribe left out of a list, and when you do, Joseph will be split into two, Ephraim and Manasseh. But we'll get to all that. And when he laid his hands on their heads, Jacob blessed the younger child over the older child, which was against the rules. But it seems to keep happening. Joseph tried to stop him, but Jacob's like, I know what I'm doing, son. And Chuck Messler points out that out of Jacob's long career... The book of Hebrews selects this blessing of Joseph's sons by the patriarch as his great act of faith. It was his reaching out for the continuation of God's promise in the face of death. Ironically, this is the very thing he had once accomplished himself by deception. But once more, the blessing would be given to the younger. And this time, there was not scheming or bitterness or anything. It was an act of faith. So for four consecutive generations, this reversed pattern was followed. Isaac over Ishmael, Jacob over Esau... Joseph over Reuben, and Ephraim over Manasseh, and years later, Ephraim became a leading tribe in the northern kingdom, way superior to the tribe of Manasseh, like Jacob predicted, but we'll get to that. So why does God keep setting it up so that the older serves the younger? I don't know, except that Jesus descended from David and should be of lower rank than David, yet David called him Lord, for obvious reasons. That's all I can think of.
1: I think these are demonstrations of grace leveling the playing field. Grace cannot conform to the world's standards, and it will not be found in the beast system. Nothing's impossible with God. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So we need only obey, because we abide under grace. Any and all natural advantages are reduced to nothing, like David and Goliath. David, the last-born son, a shepherd, takes down a war-seasoned giant. In armor, no less.
0: So, in chapter 49, Jacob calls the rest of his sons in and says, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And a dying declaration was considered to be an irrevocable testament. And it still is today. In court, it's not considered hearsay. So, we have Reuben. Because of his adultery with Jacob's concubine, Bilhah, he's called unstable as water and loses his double portion birthright to Joseph. His privilege as priest went to the sons of Levi, and his right to be the head of the tribes of Israel, his kingship, went to Judah. Remember Melchizedek, who was both king and priest? Well, not anymore. And then we have Levi, who is now the priestly tribe, which meant they were teachers of the law and judges, but exempt from military duty. But we'll get to that too. And then Simeon, the second son of Jacob by Leah, and Jacob brings up how him and Levi were the ones that took vengeance on Hamor and the Shechemites. And Jacob cursed them for their anger and cruelty and said they'd be divided and scattered within the tribes, which is what happened. And verse 8 says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise, which is what the name Judah means. And thy father's children shall bow down before thee. He's put in authority and he will retain the scepter of leadership until Shiloh come. And Shiloh basically means he whose it is and was understood to be a title of the Messiah ever since Jacob first said it right here. And it's interesting to note that the Jews retained the right of self-rule up to and including capital punishment until the Romans took it away from them. And this was a big deal to the Jews of that time, because they all thought only Messiah could do that. And since he was nowhere to be seen, they figured prophecy had just been violated. Of course, Jesus was about three years old at the time, if I remember correctly. So they were wrong. And they could have just kept on having faith in God in spite of what they didn't understand. But they went for door number two instead. And we all know how that turned out for everybody. And then Zebulun, he shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for an haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon, up there near the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean. Wealthy in trade, and wealthy in Jesus' ministry too, because that's where he did a lot of his best work. And then Issachar, he calls him a strong ass couching down between two burdens, just because the rest to be had was good. He says that Issachar will become a servant unto tribute. And Jacob was predicting that the tribe of Issachar would submit to the Canaanite invaders. Instead of fighting, the men of this tribe would allow themselves to become slaves, which they did. And Dan, his name means judge, which is what he was supposed to be. But he would choose to be treacherous instead, like a serpent at the roadside, which is the same word for serpent in the Garden of Eden. And later on, this tribe had serious issues with idolatry. Jeroboam set up a golden calf in Dan to provide opportunity for pagan worship. And the omission of Dan in Revelation 7 is commonly attributed to that. And then Gad, that's fairly straightforward. He will be warlike, and they were. Elijah was of the tribe of Gad. And then Asher says he will be fertile and productive, providing rich food and royal dainties. And Chuck Messler says royal dainties means workmen and materials to David, which they did, but I don't know if that's really what he meant right here. And Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. He's a free mountain people. Deborah sang of the people of Naphtali risking their lives on the heights of the field. But we'll get to that too. And Joseph we covered with his two sons. And finally, Benjamin, the youngest, shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. And they had a reputation for fierceness and cruelty. So keep all this in mind when we go through the histories like in Kings and Judges, and you'll see how these prophecies come to pass. And Jacob ends by telling them he wants to be buried in the cave of Machpelah. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. And there they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there Jacob buried Leah. And then Jacob crawls back up into bed and dies. And that's where we stopped. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 15:29 through 16:12. So right after Jesus healed the Canaanite woman's daughter, he leaves and goes up on a mountain near the Sea of Galilee. And he can't get a minute's peace, because here comes the multitude right behind him, bringing all their afflicted to get healed, which Jesus does, and which they praise him and God for. Then Jesus called his disciples and said, These people are hungry, why don't you go feed them for me? And the disciples are like, Okay, how? Where are we going to get food? So there's more doubt and lack of faith in spite of everything. And long story short, Jesus takes seven loaves of bread and some fishes, and gives thanks and breaks them, and gives to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitude. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men, besides women and children. And notice last time there were 12 baskets of leftovers, and this time there were seven. Both seven and 12 are used as numbers of completion or wholeness in the Bible. And seven is more tied up with finished works, and 12 is more about authority. But you can chase that down on your own later. It must have been a complete work, because Jesus next gets in a boat and sails to Magdala. And in chapter 16, he goes back into battle with the Pharisees. And he seems to love poking the Pharisees and Sadducees because he walks right into a nest of them and they come at him. They're like, if you're really the Messiah, show us a sign. Well, I just fed 4,000 families out of one lunchbox and I've been healing everybody I could find. And I walked on water in calm storms. If that's not good enough for you, what exactly do you want me to do? And I'm struck that when hyper charismatic, faithful John the Baptist had doubts, he said, is it really you? He didn't ask for a sign, and Jesus said to him, Well, just look at all my miracles. He showed him a sign. But the faithless never talk to Jesus like they know him. They always want a sign, because they're faithless, and don't know him, and he won't give them one, even though there's plenty for them to see already. In fact, he scolds them for not looking at what he's already showed them. He says, Y'all are able to look at the skies and predict the weather, but you can't look at me who's right in front of you and discern the signs of the times. You're all hypocrites. And it's a wicked and adulterous generation that's always chasing after a sign. Well, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of the prophet Jonas. That three-day thing that I already told you all about. And he left them and he sailed back across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus tells him again to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Because you got to tell folks stuff a thousand times for they hear you. Which they didn't. They all thought he was mad at them for not buying any bread. But he was mad at them for not understanding still. He says, do ye not understand? Neither remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? You think I'm worried about bread? Then they figured out that he's talking about the hypocritical doctrine of the Pharisees. So, about time, guys. But that's where we stopped reading.
1: Yeah, natural thinking and worldly wisdom, our eyes, our ears, they trip us up too. Jesus gave parables so we could see the truth in words and even practice discernment. Leaven, the unseen activity of it, can be used for good or for bad. Leaven can puff one up like a Pharisee or permeate another with truth. We choose. So, we take every thought captive and subject it to Christ.
0: And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 20, verse 1 through 9. And that's a Psalm of David. He says, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. And it was often a day of trouble with David. But he always called out to God and tried to listen. He says, grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel, and we will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God we will set up banners. He says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So it's a song of praise and of faith.
1: Yeah, David's boast was in God when he took down Goliath. No horse, no chariot, no armor. He came in the name of the Lord our God, and all heaven backed him. We can boast in the name of the Lord, our God, too. The Lord is always looking to show himself strong in the earth.
0: And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs four twenty through 27. And that's the end of this chapter. He says, my son, attend to my words. Never forget what I'm trying to tell you, because wisdom and fear of the Lord are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. He says, ponder the path of thy feet. In other words, always think about what you're doing. When I was in college, one of my professors said that the vast majority of people go through lives on autopilot, never even considering the things they do or how their actions might affect others, like changing lanes without looking and running other drivers off the road, or going out partying every night and getting hammered and leaving your kids to fend for themselves. Being inconsiderate is a pretty terrible sin, second only to being a busybody, which is always forcing your will on others. Basically, it's the same difference as leaving someone to die versus murdering them. So, ponder the path of thy feet. It's why I'm always saying if you can't make the world better, at least stop making it worse.
1: Proverbs 4.23 is one of my favorite verses. In the Young's literal translation, it's put this way. Above every charge, keep thy heart, for out of it are the outgoings of life. And I believe all the senses serve as gates to our heart. And in this portion of Proverbs, I identify four gates. The mind is to be engaged in obedience, in pondering the path. Is it the right one? And taking thoughts captive. The ear, remember, faith comes by hearing. So we need diligence and discernment about what we hear. And the eye, stay focused. Jesus is the way. Lots of flashy stuff going on to catch our eye and trip us up. The mouth, don't let bad company entertainment, whatever, put froward and perverse words in it. Fill our hearts like we are now with the Word of God. Stay this course, and our hearts will be healthy, and life will be fruitful.
0: But that's the end of our review of Yesterday's Study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 25th is Genesis 50 verse 1 through Exodus 2.10. And Joseph fell upon his father's face, and wept upon him, and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father, according as he made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the house of Joseph, and his brethren, and his father's house. Only their little ones, and their flocks, and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen and it was a very great company. And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan, And buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father, after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren, and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now, we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived an hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which ye sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being an hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. The book of Exodus, chapter 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls. For Joseph was in Egypt already, and Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies, and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shiphrah, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then she shall live. that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Chapter 2 And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime, and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off, to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrew's children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women? that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Our reading in the New Testament for January 25th is Matthew 16.13-17.9. through 17, 9. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death, they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Chapter 17. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them, and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man, until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Our reading in Psalms for January 25th is Psalm 21, 1-13. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David. The King shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire, and hast not withholden the request of his lips. Selah, for thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days for ever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him, for thou hast made him most blessed for ever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. For the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven, In the time of thine anger, the Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shalt thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back, when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So will we sing and praise thy power. And our reading in Proverbs for January 25th is Proverbs 5, 1-6. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, Her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. And that'll do it for the 25th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Job 1, 21 and 22, which says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sin not, nor charge God foolishly. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on the blessings of God. Cause prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, no one went through trials like your servant Job. He lost his wealth, his health, and even his children. He ended up scraping out his sores in a trash pile while his friends blamed him for all of it. If anyone had reason to complain, it's Job. Yet still he praised you for your goodness. For if everything we have comes from your hand, who are we to complain if you take it away? We pray, Father, that we don't need to endure the trials of Job to learn the patience of Job. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be some kind of help to them in some kind of way. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, what I really need from you is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. Especially me, because I've been having some health problems, but they're starting to get a little better. So keep it up. If you got anything you want us to pray for you about, email me at BibleY'allPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you ain't going to make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And this is weird. Joseph gave the birthright to Joseph. No, that was a mistake.